Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, the Chinese NBA basketball fans uh, last night settled in, or I don't know, the night or whatever time of day it was, settled in for the Tencent, and that's not a price, that's the name of the uh, streaming service in China, Tencent, streaming broadcast of the Celtics game, Boston Celtics, very popular in China, as you might imagine, a storied franchise in the NBA, and uh, they didn't get the Boston Celtics game. And the reason they didn't get the Boston Celtics game is because Thursday afternoon um, in China, Wednesday afternoon here, uh, Celtics center Ennis Cantor tweeted a three-minute video in which he called out Chinese dictator Xi Jinping and the Chinese government for their uh, brutal treatment of Tibet. Uh, Cantor bashed the Chinese government, said they are depriving people of Tibet, of their basic rights and freedoms. So when the people logged into the streaming service to hear the Celtics, they heard nothing. Uh, The NBA has been awfully loud on matters involving riots in American cities after George Floyd's death, after Jacob Blake. Remember a couple of the, uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks couldn't bring themselves to play after uh, Jacob Blake fought with police and uh, shot him when he tried to pull a knife on them while trying to kidnap children of the woman that he was threatening. Uh, LeBron's got nothing to say about that. Kevin Durant, nothing to say about it. Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich goes strangely silent on the uh, topic of China uh, while lining his pockets with a lot of uh, Chinese dollars. Here's what Ennis Cantor had to say. He goes, um, brutal dictator of China, Xi Jinping, I have a message for you and your henchmen. (laughs) I will say again, again, and again, loud and clear. I hope you hear me. Free Tibet, free Tibet, free Tibet. Now you would think a woke league like the NBA with a progressive leader like Adam Silver, the commissioner, would decry the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims in China? Uh, Not so much. When asked about it, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, has said, a so-called boycott of China, taking into account legitimate criticisms of the Chinese system, will not further the agenda of those who seek to bring about global change. Working with China solely on NBA basketball, has been a net plus for building relationships between the two superpowers. And, not so coincidentally, extremely profit, profitable for the NBA. So, Ennis Cantor, uh, who I believe his life has been in jeopardy before because of the things that he has said pointedly about the politics in his uh, home country. Uh, Ennis Cantor bringing the truth on China, the NBA. Remember the big flap? 
when Medina, Ohio's Daryl Morey, the then general manager of the Houston Rockets, tweeted out uh, free, was it free Taiwan. I think it was free Taiwan. Oh, they went crazy in China over that. It was an international. It was a legitimate international incident. And LeBron said that he spoke about things he wasn't uh, well versed on, which of course sort of a habit for LeBron. But uh, he's uh, he's uh, not going to cut Daryl Morey any slack on it when it cuts into LeBron's um, bottom line. Now, we had two homicides yesterday in the city of Columbus. We are now within six homicides of setting a single-year record. That record was set last year, 175. We now are at 170. We had not had a homicide since October the 10th. So we uh, recorded two yesterday. One is hard for me to uh, quarrel with. A uh, 36-year-old Westerville man uh, forced his way into a northeast side apartment and was shot and killed by a man inside the apartment when the two exchanged gunfire. Uh, The 36-year-old man, his his name was Carlos Garner, had previously been charged twice for domestic violence-related incidents at that apartment. Uh, Carlos Garner had a very volatile relationship with the woman who lived at that apartment. She is the mother of Carlos Garner's uh, one-year-old son. So here's the litany, and you ask yourself, as I run through these dates, ask yourself, why is this guy not behind bars already. January 2020. Carlos Garner was then living with the woman who was at this apartment last night, the mother of his child. He was arrested January 2020 on one count of domestic violence and assault for biting and punching the woman. Charges were dismissed in October of 2020 when, this is common, no witnesses testified him testified against him at a jury trial. Okay, nothing the system can do about that. The following May, this past May, May of 2021, Garner was arrested a second time for assault at the same address, entering the apartment with a key that he had, even though he no longer lived there. When he used the key to get in, he repeatedly punched the woman in the face, pulled her hair, and threatened her life at gunpoint. This according to court records. And he was accused of trying to yank his then 10-month-old son from the woman's arms. She barricaded herself in the bathroom and called 911 on Garner's phone, which angered him to the point where he kicked the door down, assaulted her again, and left the apartment. He was charged with domestic violence, aggravated menacing, endangering children, Those charges were dismissed on September the 21st. That's an important date to remember, September the 21st. At the request of the prosecutor, court records show. At the request of the prosecutor. On September the 21st, what do you know, seven days later, a warrant was issued for Garner's arrest. Why? Did the prosecutor rethink the earlier May incident? No, there was another incident. Seven days later, on, a, on September the 28th, the woman, same woman, at Nationwide Children's Hospital, where Carlos Garner was accused of throwing 
something at her after she said she did not want to ride home with him but wanted to take an Uber. The woman told police that Garner had been physically abusing her that week and that his violent behavior had escalated to the point where she no longer felt safe at home. So that was September the 28th. And then last night he tried to get back into the apartment. There was another gentleman there. 23-year-old man armed who shot Carlos Garner, and Carlos Garner died. So the system couldn't save Carlos Garner from himself, and he's the 169th homicide victim in the city of Columbus this year. A couple hours later, a 19-year-old man shot in the back and chest in a drive-by shooting at the corner of Cleveland Avenue and East 21st, and he unfortunately died. So the violence in Columbus continues, and uh, we're making all kinds of uh, announcements about building this and building that, and our police are um, marginalized by our mayor and by our police oversight review board and by our city council, and more of them are retiring every day, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them one little bit. There is some good news, though, locally. Uh, This is encouraging. So there was a 70-something-year-old pizza delivery driver uh, whose car was stolen and damaged while it was stolen. His insurance would not cover the damage. And he was compromised in his ability to do his job. So according to Channel 6... Uh, The owners of auto body specialists saw the story on Channel 6 and agreed to fix the vehicle for free. Um, That's a great thing. That's a great thing. People coming to each other's aid. Love hearing that story. And he has recorded a video on Channel 6's website thanking the people for their kindness. And there's a GoFundMe page set up for him. Uh, I'm always hesitant to give individual GoFundMe pages because you never know there are fertile ground for scams. So I've given you enough parameters of that story that you can Google it. You can certainly go to WSYX6. It's ABC6 on your side is the website if you are motivated to give to that. But it's a heartwarming story, and it shows that we have good people in our city, but we still have a lot of bad people, and unfortunately... A lot of them hold public office. No other way to say it. No other way to say it. And some of them are even judges. Uh, We'll tell you the story of one next on The Bruce Woolley Show. So we have a Franklin County Municipal Court judge named Jim O'Grady. He has uh, run for uh, re-election as a Republican and won, but now that's not possible in this city anymore. So he's changed his political affiliation to Democrat. Last night, Columbus City Council, chock full of Democrats, approved a $210,000 settlement of a gender bias lawsuit filed against O'Grady by a former female court employee. This is the second time the city of Columbus has had to step in and pay for uh, Judge O'Grady's interactions with his uh, female employees. 140000 approved in 2019. He's an expensive judge to keep on the bench. Uh, He contends that he did not in either case harass anyone at work nor ever create a hostile work environment. 
I'll take him at his word, but all I know is the city keeps having to pay to cover his behavior. Uh, He says it does not admit any guilt. Okay, fine. Still, we're not having to pay this for other judges. So he's running for re-election this year, and this time he's running as a Democrat because that's politically expedient. And the Columbus Bar Association, again, for a judge who's twice at a, at a cost of $350,000, has had to be bailed out. Well, I guess that's an unfortunate choice of words. Who's had to have his behavior uh, covered <laughs> by the citizens of Franklin County. Uh, the Columbus Bar Association, which also stinks of Democrats, 81% to 19% recommend his re-election. Recommend his re-election. Attorneys. Uh, that's disappointing. Very, very disappointing. So what I find also disappointing is that John Fuddy of the Columbus Dispatch in his story quotes uh, Judge Grady's, O'Grady's opponent in the upcoming election a gentleman whose first name I'm searching for, his last name is Brown, Josh Brown. Josh Brown is the Republican challenger. Josh Brown says there's plenty of evidence that Judge O'Grady did uh, things that are untoward. I think if people read the woman's depositions in those lawsuits, there's no way they would vote for him. The depositions are excruciating. Now, I'm reading this story and I'm going, oh, the depositions are excruciating. Okay, I'm expecting John Fuddy to quote from the depositions next because he can certainly get his hands on them. Instead, John Fuddy does not quote from the depositions. Now, why would that be? I'll venture a guess. Because it would make Democratic judge Jim O'Grady look bad. And it would hurt his re-election campaign. See, this is also something you gain when you switch your political affiliation from Republican to Democrat. Is you get friendly fire, friendly treatment from the Columbus Dispatch. You get friendly cover. You're in the club. You're approved. I hope I run into people from the Columbus Dispatch on Sunday night at the American Leadership Forum. I was thinking about this last night, Alan. Alan Rogers sitting in for Aaron Light today. I was thinking about this last night, Alan, that I've been told, you know, there are going to be people from the dispatch there to cover this. I'm like, good. I want to face them down. There's a certain reporter I really hope is there who goes out of her way to exaggerate Things that you could probably defend on their face as, well, it's partially true, but not tell the whole story. So I'm hoping to meet her, and I'm certainly hoping to meet her boss. Now, should I welcome them from the uh, oh, podium yes. when I'm welcoming yes. everybody else? Yes. So I was thinking about telling everybody, everybody here in this room is like-minded except for these two people sitting down <laughs> here from the Columbus Is there going to be any TV coverage, do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't do that, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping I can meet them. So what, why do you think that the excruciating depositions are not quoted in the Columbus Dispatch? Do you find my explanation to be plausible? Painfully obvious, yes. yes. that's what I think it is, painfully obvious as well. And it's also painfully obvious, and it has been ever since I first brought it to your attention, thanks to some really courageous people in Upper Arlington, Kathy Poltz, chief among them, that these bathrooms in UA where... All the boys and all the girls can use the same bathroom after they remodeled 
some of the elementary schools and after they build a new high school. And by the way, that's like, whew, that is some kind of high school you've got at Upper Arlington now. You spent your, you spent a lot of money on that. But they uh, put bathrooms in it that are uh, for everyone. You know, no gender differentiation on the bathrooms. And parents are like, what are you doing? This is against state code. Arlington said, eh, we don't care if it's against state code. We're going to spend more hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars to fight this in court. They didn't ask for permission from the state building commission. In fact, they were told they couldn't do it in middle of, middle of the stream. And they kept doing it. And they have continued to foist this on their students. So recently, a senior Upper Arlington student uh, spoke out because uh, this student said a lot of the locks on the doors, and that's how they've uh, said this is safer and better, is, well, we have floor-to-ceiling stalls, and we have locks on the doors, so everybody has privacy. I, I reject out of hand the locks on the doors policy as a good policy. I don't want kids to be able to go into a bathroom stall and lock the door because do I need to like paint the picture for you of what could happen? We just had a situation in Loudoun County, Virginia, where a freshman girl was raped by a boy in a skirt. He had to like at least lie about being a girl to get the get the permission to be in her bathroom. But if both boys and girls can be in the same bathroom, would I be wrong to say that this raises the possibility that this could happen? I don't think I would be wrong in saying that at all, although I'm sure Paul Imhoff, the superintendent of Arlington, and his woke, crazy, delusional school board members would say I'm wrong, but I'm not wrong. So this you, student... You don't think kids will just be kids? Teenagers be oh, teenagers? They, no, why would anybody go in there, Alan, and lock the door and smoke dope? Why would they do that? That doesn't happen Come anymore. On, Come, Come on. on. So the student says, we are a full quarter in, and it's a nightmare. These bathrooms have made students severely uncomfortable. The senior student from UA said the bathrooms are so private, students are abusing them, even breaking locks. Other students are walking in on one another. This is happening several times a day. The locks are broken. Upper Arlington School says they are speaking with the concerned student. And when they found out the locks were broken, they were immediately fixed. They say only a couple stalls were broken. Dozens and dozens of stalls are working fine. This is interesting to me, that this one student who speaks out is marginalized as like, ah, it's one student. How many students are transgender that you reordered the whole way you build bathrooms? How many students had to complain about that? And why are their complaints prioritized to the point where you would violate state building code? and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of your taxpayer money to fight against a viewpoint held by citizens of your district that they want boys' bathrooms and girls' bathrooms. What motivates you to do that? It is sheer zealotry. It is, we are not answerable. To you parents, we are not answerable to our taxpayers. We are not answerable to the people who fund our schools. We know best. It is ego. It is hubris. It is evil. And you must continue to stand and fight against it.